0: All right, so today's reading is Romans 12, 1-8. It can be found on page 1047 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is.
1: I invite you to pray with me as we begin looking at this. Our God of grace, as we um, come into this room from different places, different stories, um, uh, different uh, moods, and um, different life situations. um, We come and sit here and we don't realize that, quite frankly, we're all in the same boat in one crucial way. That we are more of a mess than we care to admit at any given moment. And the story of your grace that we look at here each week, the gospel, the story of your son Jesus um, coming into our brokenness tells us that even though we're more of a mess than we care to admit, we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. And so as we listen from your words and we open our ears and our minds to your spirit and how your spirit will speak to us this morning we pray that you will help us to be more rooted in that grace that gospel a mess but totally loved And god i pray that as we bring our our real emotions to the table today whether that is laughter and joy and giggliness or whether that is, I mean, just down in the dumps, discouraged, battling relationships, depressed, whatever the, whatever the hurts we bring or the joys and gratitude we bring in here this morning, we pray that you would hold them and speak into them and speak through them so that we know you and your grace better as we move forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage of Scripture, Romans 12, boy, it has, and this is, in the book of Romans, this is what happens. But there are many individual messages within the chunks that we're dealing with. It's humbling to try to talk about something that could be five or six sermons. This passage, though, let me just give you the picture a quick flyby of what it's saying. It's saying, as a Christian, you live in such a way that you're not conforming to patterns that are just kind of the common life patterns of the day that we're all drawn into, but you're being transformed with God's help through the gospel in such a way that you'll then begin to use your giftedness in this world and in the church, in, the, in the, what we call the body of Christ. You're a part of that body. So, that's the message. Not conforming anymore to the world, but being transformed in a way that begins to, your gifts that God has placed in your life begin to get used for the body of Christ and in the body of Christ. That's the overview. I could quit there, um, but let me say a few more things. How are we, how are we, how are we conformed? How, what's, what, what are some of the ways that we're drawn into being conformed by the patterns of the world around us? Let me mention three, and the first two of them have some quotes that will be on the screen. So first of all, one of the things we get drawn into, and you might be in a place where you feel some of this right now, unbridled self-indulgence let me read a quote by a millennial writing about millennials the reality is we get so caught up in change and advancement and disconnecting from the past that we often find ourselves riding the waves of self indulgence and tolerance believing that anything and everything goes that individualism is greater than the collective good and that some of the most stabilizing and joy producing human traditions built on interdependence, aren't as valuable as they have been for thousands of years. Family, spirituality, morality, friendship, collaboration, and respect. Do you ever find that this cultural unbridled self-indulgence phenomenon kind of draws you in, that pulls you in? Another one is what I'll call being aimlessly adrift with envy. And I think sometimes social media, in fact, we'll see with this quote, social media exacerbates the problem. Study after study shows that our jealousy spikes with our use of social sharing sites. People you know are more lux- have more, take more luxurious vacations than you do. Their relationships are closer and more loving. Their children are better behaved and cuter. And the evidence is right there on the web. A University of Michigan study released in August found that the more people use Facebook, the worse they feel about their own lives. And a study last December out of Oxford deemed Instagram to be even more envy-inducing. Are you adrift with envy sometimes? It's okay. You can, you can say amen if, or something. You can be honest. It's safe to be honest in your self-indulgence or your are aimless, aimlessly adrifting ad in your envy, always looking for how you might build your life into something different. Another thing that happens that I think we get pulled into, so like a third thing that we get drawn into that we need to be kind of transformed out of is a sort of drowning out of being such a good person and doing so much. So, in some ways, that's sort of the opposite of being uh, self, you know, uh, self-indulgent, is that, it, but there's self-indulgence in it, but you just don't recognize it. The, the kind of, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to always say yes. And you might find, if you're one of these people, or if you're in one of these places that you're saying yes to your neighbors, you're saying yes to your family, you're saying yes to your... Um, To to at work and you're going in early and staying late because everybody has to do their part, right? And you're a good person. All three of these things—unbridled self-indulgence, aimless envy, aimlessly adrift with envy, or drowning in doing it um, all—all three of these things are spoken to in this text. And if let's just look briefly in reverse order. How about for those of you who are drowning in doing it all? What does this passage say? If you look at verse 6 of, of Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And then it goes on. It's like this list, and they're meant to be samples. They're not to, meant to be exhausted, exhaustive or pick the one in this list that is your... It's just a way of saying... Kind of, kind of just get the point here, people. If yours is this, then that. If yours is this, then do it with gusto. But notice, it's basically saying, if your, your gift is blank, and the question for each of us today is, how are you going to fill in that blank? Do you know how to fill in that blank? Maybe, maybe you just haven't, maybe this is sort of the call to you, maybe you're not drowning in the use of, of yourself in all kinds of, roles that maybe are burning you out, maybe the message to you is you need to start with something. You need to try something out in the, com- in the community of faith, in the body of Christ. If this is becoming your church home, maybe it's time to begin to plug in in some way with a gift. Maybe you don't know for sure. There's sometimes a little trial and error. But maybe also you need to realize that there's only one blank for you that you need to think about today because of this passage, not 13 things and gifts that you need to be doing all the time everywhere, maybe there's a real amazing thing that is ready to happen in your life through focusing on one thing. One thing that really resonates maybe more than a lot of the things that wear you out and that aren't bringing you uh, much joy as you do them. There's a lot of other things I could say and places my mind wants to go with that. I think just today, just it's the simple first point on this is that Today, you need to hear, draw it down to one blank and consider filling that blank. Do you have a good sense? Or are you lost in just doing so many things? So the pers- to the person who's drowning in doing it all, there's the message of discover your gift and your unique contribution. But what if you're adrift with envy? What does this passage have to say to you? Maybe you're... Um, dissatisfied with what it seems like God has given you and you're playing a lot of the comparing game that we often get wrapped up in and it seems like other people have more exciting things going on things to offer you have nothing you don't have anything to offer the world especially when you see all these other people and the things they're offering this scripture has a word for you if you're in that kind of place and and let's just zero in on verse 4 which says For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not have the same function, so it works with the body of Christ. There's different parts of the body with different function. And God has that all figured out. In other words, there's a sense in which what we want to do with passages like this that talk about the gifts you have that God wants to use, the spiritual gifts, we want to, what we want to look at it as is a spiritual gift card. You know, a gift card, you get it and you get to go shopping, you know, and hey, what gift will I get? What will I pick? I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to use this spiritual gift card. And, and it's like, get over it. That's not how it works. You know, because, I mean, uh, gift cards are a little bit annoying anyway, right? I mean, it's kind of like someone saying, I wanted to give you this thing of value, but I didn't trust you on how to spend it. So I, uh, I wanted to kind of confine you to this one thing before I... Happy birthday. <laughs> um, I'm just being a little silly. But so sp- think of it as a spiritual gift, not a spiritual gift card. In other words, you have what you have. And in fact, God has a great plan for exactly what you have to offer. To this church and to the world. There's this, um, this British intellectual, he's, he's really really old now and, and far along in years, and he wrote a lot of books. He's a theologian and a biblical scholar, and his name is Michael Green. And Michael Green, um, uh, you know, he was involved in the Anglican church, and he traveled the world, and he taught a lot about the Bible and about theology and, and about the church being in mission. And... Um, he tells a story about how a headmaster of a school in Singapore once came to him super frustrated. And he was frustrated that he, he didn't have or experience the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues which if you've spent time in the church world, you know this can kind of be a part of a subset of the Christian family of prioritizing certain really exciting gifts and, and sometimes saying you know, you're not really in the inner circle until you have this amazing, almost miraculous expression of God in your life. And in fact, hey, just go back into the Bible. The book of 1 Corinthians is dealing with exactly that issue where a church was dramatizing certain ones of these ecstatic gifts and forgetting about... Basic things. So this person comes to Michael Green, and Michael Green talks to him about um, how he is every day getting to use his gifts of teaching, gifts that no one else, that all kinds of other people around him don't have. And so this is what he says. He says, the crucial thing was that he went away that day with a new, this is Michael Green, with a new appreciation of his teaching skills as one of God's gift gifts to him. He, could, he, he came to see that he could each day lay the whole program before the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, you have given me teaching skills. Now think about yourself and how you might be filling in the blank today. I want you to use them as your representative today. I want your love and truth to shine through me today in the classroom. I want you to make full use today of this gift you have entrusted me. What if that's you tomorrow? What if that's you during the quiet time of our, of our offering time in a little bit, um, in our service? And you have a chance to kind of reflect and vocalize maybe some prayers inside you to God. What if that's you? I put this gift that is in my life. I may not even may not be the favorite thing that I have, but it's clearly something people say I'm good at. And I put this before you each day, God. use it and to do things that might surprise me and it might give me a sense at the end of each day, there's a whole different kind of trajectory instead of things that are happening in my life if I'm just having this conversation with God. And so as we look at this passage, it's speaking to some of these ways we need to be transformed instead of conformed. Let's go we're going in backwards order. We did the one, what if you're drowned in doing good? We said well, what if you're adrift, aimlessly adrift in envy? What if you're Involve, what if you're kind of pulled into the unbridled self indulgence that our culture is often so good at telling us we need to, how we need to live? Verse 5 says something to this. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. How does that sit with you? Does anybody feel like a little bit terrified about that? <laughs> Did you hear what that said? Each member belongs to all the others. And if you, let's just think about it this way: there's really there's a terrifying part of this, and an uh, an incredible uh, kind of exciting side of this. So I'm going to have you do something twice, and. Each time you do it, I'm going to have you think two different things in your head. So the first time, I'm going to have you for about 30 seconds just look around this room and try to look at every single person here. Not yet, not yet. And um, so when I say go, you're going to look around. But this first time, I want you to look around the room. Should we do the exciting part or the scariest part first? Let's do, um, let's do the exciting part first. So you look around the room, and I want you in your mind as you look at each person, each face, to say say in your mind, every, like, this person's gifts are for me. Okay, so that's what you're saying in your mind. Ready, go. Look around, make sure you see everyone. that person's gifts are for you, they belong to you. All right, now let's do it again, and this time in your mind say, this is the scary part, m- m- my gifts belong to that person. Go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's a, the that's a scary part. But friends, that's this message That's what we talk about as the body of Christ. Those who have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ um, draw into that reality. More and more lean into that is how this community starts to act and operate and give ourselves to one another. It's like, it goes really against the self-indulgence of our culture because it says you don't just have this valuable stuff for yourself so that you can get some advantage today or tomorrow or later on, it says you're a steward. You've been given something that's actually, you're not the primary one that this is supposed to benefit. It's a steward. So God's putting something in your life that's for someone else. That means it's time to get to work, in a sense. It's time to ask some of these questions about, what am I doing with it? Because, and it's time to give it to others. And to turn from the culture of self-indulgence and consider how you are placed here for others, that God has that all, and it's, it's his plan. I think that, you know, just before we close, there's something that you can't... So far, basically, this could look like a talk of, of just three tips, you know, on how to be a better person in a church community. But you won't be able to do it if you don't have at the center of your life what is at the very first verse and is throughout this passage. It's a word that if you're newer to City Life Church, you're going to just get used to hearing this word a lot at City Life Church. Grace or mercy. In verse 1, this is what it says. It kind of casts an umbrella over this whole passage. In view of God's mercy. The idea, and then throughout the passage, grace, according, with God, according to God's grace. So basically, if you don't have God's mercy and His grace in your life every day, new every morning to you as you wake up, the smile of God radiating over your life convincingly, you're going to either be adrift and not staying stationed to use your gifts where God has put you, or you're going to be sinking under the overwhelming waves that are crashing at you in life. So let's look at this picture. High-tech picture. Hashtag high-tech picture. (laughs) Seen today at Sea Life Church. Do you see this? The, um, The lighting's not that great, but we have a boat, and we have two things that are happening at the same time. It's being buoyed up, lifted up and not sinking, and it's also being anchored and not aimlessly adrift. There's almost no other, there's no other religion or philosophy that can accomplish this kind of stabilizing force in your life than the gospel. It tells you who you are. You're an honest mess, but you are loved and accepted in Christ. So God has found a way through Jesus, who lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died, and God has found a way to make himself kind of permanently pleased with you through his own son taking the brunt of it. And every morning you get to wake up as a Christian with that stabilizing power of the gospel that says it's okay if I'm not that or I'm not that or I'm not that. I'm stationed right here. I'm anchored and that's okay. The gospel does that in your life. And the gospel holds you up from getting pulled under and drowning in the waves and in the pressures of life because you are being held by God always. When you look at that image and you think about adrift or sinking, anchored or buoyed, where are you in that? Let's pray. Our God of grace, we pray that your grace may ignite new things in our lives as we walk forward. This is a time of year when people are talking about the new semester starting, people are buying school supplies or already two weeks into their first set of homework assignments. People are starting, are, are, are kind of done with their vacations and back to new schedules and routines. And as we do that, God, some of us are thankful, you know, because we, we like how the routines sort of anchor us. And we pray that you would help us as we enter into this season of the year. Help us to be anchored in your grace.